great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What's up, everybody? It is Monday night, and we would not leave you hanging with all of this tampering going on in the NFL today. A lot to get into tonight on Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. I don't think anything has happened today, Ryan, that has been surprising or shocking in any way. I mean, I think that we were on the road to a lot of what's happened today. Uh, You know, maybe a second or third tier offensive line. Uh, agreed to terms, uh, Tremaine Edmonds moving on. Where do you want to start? Because it's there's a couple different tracks that we can get into here at the top. Yeah, I, I think we need to start with Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, uh, someone that was a big piece to the puzzle, so to speak. I mean, you, you look at the draft where they ended up getting Josh Allen at number seven. Who did they trade up for next? It was Tremaine Edmonds. Edmonds was... Uh, meant to be that key piece in the middle of the defense. And over his time here in Buffalo, uh, you know, he had some ups and downs, but that last season here, it was definitely a career best. And I think that he could really be a nice fit in that Chicago Bears defense. We can kind of get into the financials here in a minute and why the Bills couldn't get in uh, on him at that number. But, you know, good for him, cashing in, getting that payday. I think he'll be missed in Buffalo, but there are still options out there to replace him. Yeah, he's going to be missed. He's going to be missed in ways that, you know, I think a lot of fans that maybe don't dive into a lot of the the, the deeper stuff or, you know, maybe just watch it from a more casual perspective won't understand just like I know it's like the sacks necessarily weren't there, or the interceptions, but his impact on other people on the defense, I, I think that that's what they're going to miss the most. And just the repetitive nature of knowing that you have this like super freak athlete in the middle of your defense that is calling the defense knows what everybody out there is supposed to do. Cause he spent years of learning it, hmm. but also there's a, there's an element like, okay, so let's get into the financials first reportedly on Edmonds. I believe it was Rappaport that put it out. Uh, it's a four year deal worth $92 million. Uh, average annual uh, value of that contract is about 18 million, which I think we've talked about Ryan, like that was going to be approaching the area where if he hit that kind of market, it was going to be a no go for the bills. And obviously there, you know, Brandon Bean said as recently as a couple of weeks ago in Indianapolis, that if they could keep him once he figures out what his market is and if it works out with the bills, I think they were going to try to do that because of his, his, his importance on the defense. But $18 million per year, $50 million guaranteed, which is also part of the report, that is a big, sizable commitment. And there's other pieces to the puzzle. I mean, you're, Ed Oliver is under contract with his fifth-year option, $10 million. you got to figure out what you're going to do past that. I know that a lot of people are talking about trades right now, but maybe this is a move because they, they want to lock up Ed Oliver long-term. Then you look at the other side of the ball. Gabriel Davis is going into his fourth season. He's going to be extension Canada here this offseason. What does that second second contract look like? There's a lot of moving pieces to this. And with Edmonds at that price tag and all that guaranteed money, it was just a little bit too rich for the Bills, it appears. Yeah, and four years, $72 million. $72 million, I'm sorry. 72, yeah, no worries. And $50 million guaranteed, the highest 
four-year contract for an inside linebacker in NFL history. So his agent did a good job. His play obviously spoke for itself. It's just something that the Bills absolutely positively could not touch that number. You know, we talked about it on a recent show, many recent shows, to be honest, about if the number ended up being that 14, 15 range, maybe, if you know, uh, they could get into play on that. But once you exceed 50 million guaranteed, 72 million over four years, the Bills just don't have the capital for that when, when they already have so much money invested elsewhere. And when truth be told, uh, as good as Edmonds was this past season, he was, first of all, in a defense that fits his skill set perfectly. Mm-hmm. I still think, you know, this Bears defense was, is going to be a good fit for him as well. Uh, but this defense has come up short in the postseason. And I would rather see the Bills, when they have that kind of money to, to use, or maybe some of the money they're not going to be able to use towards Edmonds, I'd like to see them use that on offense because they need to work on that firepower. They need to make sure uh, that they can go toe-to-toe with some of these teams in the AFC, obviously the Chiefs, the the Bengals, and a team that we're going to talk about here in a little while uh, within the AFC is the Miami Dolphins, who have made some big moves here to date as well. So Buffalo needs to add to firepower, not so much on the defense side of the ball, in my opinion. So the Bills announced on Sunday that they have come to terms on a two-year contract extension with Matt Milano, and that kind of set the stage for this news. I think once people saw that commitment, you know, had they re-signed Tremaine Edmonds, I mean, you're talking about 30 plus, close to 35 million per season committed at your linebacker position. It was just a, a lot. And it's, you have to kind of spread it around when you were paying the quarterback the way that they are. I don't think you can go too deep at a position, you know, especially in a group like the linebacker position where you're only playing two because of the way that the nickel works and you're paying Taron Johnson more than $10 million. So that's yeah. or, uh, on the Nine. borderline there. And so that's a lot of money to kind of consider all of these things. Listen, whether or not you like them or not, Terrell Bernard, they invested a, a pretty important piece of draft capital in him, him, a third round pick. That's something that, you know, Sean McDermott's coming out talking about him having middle linebacks backer flexibility. So now you're thinking about, all right, what is this going to look like next season? I feel like that's the natural progression to the next piece of this. Tremaine Edmonds goes to Chicago. What is this going to look like? Nobody else has signed yet, and I want to get to that in a minute. You just put out a report uh, sh- shortly, a few minutes before we went live. Why don't you explain what that is? Yeah, so one option the Bills could explore is Levante David. Uh, spent most of his career in Tampa Bay. He's a free agent. The Bills have at least inquired about him. They're looking into him. Uh, so he is a possibility for this team and, and someone that I think would be a good fit for this roster as a stopgap. He, he is in his 30s. Uh, you're talking maybe two to three years at most, but you could either develop someone over that time that's already on this roster, uh, like a Terrell Bernard, or you could end up drafting someone here in uh, this year's draft, next year's draft, and then kind of make that person be the heir apparent to the position. So Levante, uh, Levante David is on Buffalo's radar. He is a possibility for this team. Yeah, I love that move. And I, I actually tweeted out, an hour ago when the bit, when the uh, Jeremy Fowler reported that the dolphins we'll talk about them in a few minutes, they inked uh, former Tennessee linebacker, David long to an agreement 
which will be worth two, uh, $11 million over two years, which is a super affordable deal. You look at some of the next gen stats on long and from a coverage perspective, what he's able to do against the run, that is a really, really nice deal for them. And if the bills can kind of land something in that ballpark, it's probably going to be a little bit more expensive for David, but you're talking about, you know, a guy that's played in the super bowl that has played big time, made big time plays on that stage in the playoffs for the bucks. The last couple of years, I think it's worth investing in that kind of thing, even if it is a little bit more expensive, giving you that kind of bridge player uh, to whatever that young player is next. And I also would love to just see what it looks like with Milano playing next to David in the defense, what that looks like. Where do you think the Bills decide to go with the middle linebacker position, though? Mm. Because, you know, David is kind of, they're both kind of off-ball hybrids, him and Milano, right? Like, I think that their natural position is probably off the ball instead of maybe calling the defense. How do you think that that ends up working its way out? Or is it just like, you know, let's run it out there, see what it looks like, and wherever any everybody fits in, that's where it fits. Yeah, you know, I, I don't have the exact answer to that. I almost wonder, though, if Matt Milano would be the answer uh, just because of his comfort in the system, because he's played in the Sean McDermott system for so long, he could definitely handle the play calling responsibilities for this team from that standpoint. But it's interesting if, if David is the route that they go, I I think it's going to be kind of a let's wait and see how it works out. We might have to make some adjustments on the fly in season if that is where they go. But the Milano deal was a win win for the Bills. You extend him out two years. You save six million this year. Uh, he's under contract while, while he's in his early 30s, getting good money. Like I said, it, from from a team standpoint, from a player standpoint, it made a lot of sense for both sides. Uh, it gave the Bills some peace of mind at the linebacker position because Milano has been such an important key for them. But how the rest of this shakes out is, you know, your guess is as good as mine, Matt. We will have you covered uh, with a lot of shows, a lot of content this week as we dive into all of the different free agency uh, moves. You know, one player out there uh, that isn't reported yet is, is Jordan Poyer. And the safety market is is really interesting with the way that it's developed. Jesse Bates getting a big-time contract. Von uh, Bell signing from uh, Cincinnati. Marcus Epps now off the board. So some safeties are getting their money. And now the longer this thing takes for Poyer, you wonder whether or not his market is materializing the way that he wanted it to materialize, but it's still early. I mean, the tampering period just started earlier today. One more thing on Edmonds before we move to uh, McGovern. What do you think this says about where the bills are at in terms of the philosophy that they've really harped on over the last couple of years, you know, draft, develop, resign. This is like the first big fish to get away, if you will, in Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, they drafted him. They spent a ton of time, resources, developing him, you know, playing him, and then really just making it his defense. Is this a certain level of failure for Brandon Bean in that department? Or is this something where, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, pivot off of moves and you can't just every single time, you know, rinse and repeat the same process over and over again. You have to be a little bit more judicial with the way that you make these decisions with players. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, Brandon Bean is going to sit here and say, well, you know, our philosophy is draft and then develop and resign, but you can't do that for everyone. And that's just kind of the name of the game. They, they, I guess you could argue that they developed him so well that it became such a hot commodity on the market that Buffalo just couldn't contend with that. Uh, so, but when you look at the other players that this team has been able to bring back on second contracts, obviously Josh Allen, 
whose numbers look like an absolute steal uh, based on the quarterback market, Deion Dawkins, Matt Milano, uh, all these guys that they drafted and they've been able to uh, develop Taron Johnson and the, the list kind of goes on and on. There just gets to be a point where someone's not going to be able to come back uh, at some point in time. And, you know, you've mentioned some of the names that have signed elsewhere across this league today in these safety markets, the Bates, the Von Bells, and, and some of them are homegrown talent. And that's just the name of the game in the NFL where uh, you get to the point where it'd be great to be able to keep everyone. But with the way the quarterback market is, when you have a franchise QB, you're paying them a lot of money. The Bills obviously made a big splash when they traded for Stefan Diggs a few years back, and there's money there. Von Miller, the list goes on and on for other players, too, that they've had to sign. So they've just kind of reached that point now where you get to a homegrown talent like Edmonds uh, and you just couldn't resign him. And then the super chat here after today and seeing the other safeties getting paid, how are we feeling about Poyer possibly coming back? I still don't see that as, as happening. Uh, I, I just think that even if the market's not what he expected, he's still going to have some teams interested in him. Obviously, he was linked to the Raiders. The Raiders went a different direction in Epps. Uh, there's still going to be some teams out there that are pursuing Poyer. And I think that, uh, again, it might just be at a number the Bills aren't comfortable with. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think that's where I'm at as well. And I just, you know, there's been so much that's happened in the relationship between, you know, the Bills and Poyer. And, I, you know, obviously there's been this this level of unrest on his end. Like, you know, the, you've seen the comments come out about the state taxes and, you know, obviously everything that happened during COVID. And, you know, just the fact that the Bills haven't been able to get over the hump, right? And the frustrations around that. I mean, he's sold out this year playing through tons of injuries and trying to, you know, win and just, it just hasn't, you know, materialized. And sometimes you wonder if, if play, if a player just doesn't want a fresh start. I mean, it's just, it's working out contractually that he, he's, he's done in Buffalo and he's on the free agent market. You know, the thing that I keep coming back to is like for Poyer to land in a new spot, like the Miami thing was twofold. Number one, if he can get paid, and he can land in a spot where you know he already lives. The tax money situation is there, and also a competitive championship caliber team. That is that's a huge piece for a guy looking at a, a destination. But maybe the money isn't where he thought it was going to be, and then it's going to be about like, am I am I going to a contender? Is he at the at the point of his career where he can go to like a middling team that it's going to you know he's not going to be in the same place? He's a very competitive guy where there he's comp- competing for championships that's a piece of it too and and maybe if if the market doesn't materialize he comes back and talks to the bills maybe you can get down the the road with that a little bit but i wonder if the bills you know the longer this takes the 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 more likely the bills are going to probably move on and try to find a a stop gap or you know a piece to add to their defense and that's why i just don't think this will end up working out where they land on something but never say never you know that's what this time of year is all about little news here we can kind of get into Eric Hendricks, uh, Kendricks put out on his own Instagram account that he has signed with the Los Angeles Chargers. So he is off the board. He is uh, joining an AFC uh, team out West. Thoughts on that. And now this linebacker, free agent linebackers position is it's shrinking here. Yeah. Kendricks was a guy that I thought was a good fit for the defense. Uh, he, he was also a good fit from the perspective that he was released by the Vikings and he wouldn't have counted against the compensatory pick formula. Uh, but, you know, I don't even know if the Bills were in on him. Obviously, the Chargers have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball for whatever reason. They just can't seem to kind of get over that hump. But the more talent that they keep adding, the more I'm going to believe in that team, maybe being able to make some noise as a playoff team. 
uh, going forward. So it's it's a good spot for him. It's a contending team, despite it being a division that has the Super Bowl champs in it. Um, you're right, though. The options are starting to, to slim out a little bit. There's Levante David. There's Leighton Van Der Esch. Those guys come to mind. Uh, Bobby Wagner seems to have multiple teams interested in him. The Bills have not been linked to him. But the fact that there's three, four teams that have been makes me think that whatever that market number ends up being, it might be too much for the Bills at the end of the day for a 30-plus-year-old linebacker. So maybe the Bills pivot in another direction that we didn't expect. Uh, still some guys out there, but you're right. They're, they're falling off the board fast. Uh, Zach Allen, somebody that I wrote about in my five moves that I'd love for the Bills, uh, Cardinals defensive end, defensive tackle, has reached an agreement on a three-year deal worth $45.7 million reportedly with the um, Denver Broncos, which is probably out of the price range, right? Like that's uh, the, the bills don't have that kind of swing at that position. I mean, maybe they do, but is that where you want to spend it? You know, knowing that you could probably get that next tier down, you know, we've talked about a couple of guys, whether it be like the Melvin Ingrams of the world, the Carlos Dunlaps, heck, maybe, maybe swing a deal for uh, Jerry Hughes and bring him back. He's on, $5 million. Maybe you could send a day three pick to Houston to bring him back for one more. And I still think Hughes to me with as much juice as he looked to still have last year, he's very familiar with Sean McDermott and what he wants to do. And his natural position is at that right defensive end spot. And I think it's just a natural marriage with Von Miller on the left side, allowing him to kind of operate out of that spot more consistently. And more so on passing downs. Let Greg Rousseau do a lot of the dirty work at the left edge on early downs. Move him around. You're going to continue to develop Boogie Basham. I think that that's like kind of the the, the clear fit there. Um, anything else on uh, these defensive uh, conversation before we move over to McGovern? No, I think I think that's a good time to move over to the other side of the ball and, and a move that the Bills have made, at least in terms of agreeing to terms. Yes, and it's an interesting one. Like we didn't talk at all about him. Um, I can't remember did. Did Chris mention him on the show the other night? I don't think so, but I could be wrong. So this is something that, you know, wasn't super on my radar. And as I kind of took the deep dive on him today after the move was made, you really kind of learn about a guy that had a coming out party in a lot of ways this past season. You know, you go back to 2021 Kellen Moore in Dallas was using Connor McGovern as a fullback. And you wrote about it a little bit today and like a jumbo tight end. So he's got that kind of versatility to kind of do multiple things. But at this deal reportedly from Mike Garofolo of NFL network, three years, $23 million. He's going to average about seven and a half per season for the bills. I'd imagine that that first year cap hit probably falls somewhere around six ish million when it's all said and done. We'll see. Really nice value signing because if you look at the next couple tiers up, right, we talk so much about Ben Powers. He ends up going to Denver on a deal that's going to average around $13 million, which is more than I'd pay for him. And it's funny because as good as Powers was rated out by PFF in terms of pass block grade, it's the same story as McGovern. He has this really great pass block grade, but the run blocking grade just absolutely plummets. And so I almost feel like if you're going to go that route where you're not getting a really well-rounded player, I'd rather spend $7 million than the $13 million that um, they're spending on powers. And then obviously Chris Lindstrom with the Atlanta Falcons just yeah, absolutely monster. cashing in at $21 million AAV today. It's a big day for some uh, interior offensive linemen. I think the Bills got some value, though, with McGovern. 
Yeah, you, you know, as soon as I made the signing, I said, how long is it going to take me to say Connor McDermott, former, you know, alignment that was on the Bills? <laughs> and it, literally my first tweet, I put McDermott. So off to a hot start with uh, McGovern. But I actually liked it. I, I talked to uh, some Cowboys fans. They said he was kind of like that under the radar lineman that doesn't get the love that some of the other players do, uh, but has been a solid player throughout his tenure. First year, he didn't play torn pectoral, uh, but he's played over 2000 snaps with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, two career penalties, zero uh, penalties last year. Really good in pass protection. I think that was Buffalo's key focus is getting guys that can protect Josh Allen. Uh, versatility through the roof. He played all three interior spots at Penn State. Uh, he played left guard and right guard for Dallas. And then you mentioned it, the jumbo packages at tight end, lining up as a fullback. He's held his own in, in some good uh, in some situations and you know, realistically, probably sets up to be Buffalo's left guard. Uh, you could make the argument, though, that Ryan Bates played better at left guard two years ago, struggled a little bit at right guard. Maybe they go in with an open mind this summer and try them at both spots, uh, flip-flop the, the former Nittany Lion teammates and see what combination works best where in terms of left guard and right guard. But either way, uh, the money that they're paying him, that tells me, one, they're bringing him in to start. And two, every, the more and more I hear about him, the more and more I like. The versatility is there for both guys. And also with McGovern, he spent some time subbing in for Zach Martin at right guard right. and played really well there. So some people think that maybe that is even his more, more natural fit. And I think it comes down to, it's interesting because Feliciano, I thought, at times played really well at left guard, but they liked him at right guard when he was here because of his communication ability. I thought that's where Bates would thrive because they love his communication ability when he's able to get in there at center. But you know, if it ends up pushing Bates back to left guard, you want to optimize this group, whichever way, whichever f alignment of five works out. I think that's the, the way that you go. I don't think the bills should necessarily be done at this point. This is a, you know, it's a, it's a modest um, contract. It's, it's, a, it's, it's enough to, you know, make you open your eyes a little bit, but I think they want to continue to solidify the offensive line. One thing I saw kind of percolating on social media today about the signing is how bad, you know, of a run blocker he is. And it's like, I respect being kind of pivoting off of what he did last year. Like they, they signed Aaron Cromer. They brought in Roger Saffold, who was probably a little bit too old to rely on as a starter. And what was the thing that everybody was talking about? His ability in the run game. It never materialized. And in pass protection, he was awful. I mean, he gave up 42 pressures this season. That's one of the most, or one of the largest numbers of any interior offensive lineman in the NFL. He, was literally, I think, the lowest graded guard in pass protection on PFF, their entire website. And I'm not saying it's the be-all, end-all, but right. that's a significant you know, demerit on an offensive line, and it's important. I mean, how many times do we see Josh Allen just having to evade the pocket almost immediately? You're bringing in a guy in McGovern who it seems – excels in pass pro that to me is where you wanted to spend you know the money and it's 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 not a huge investment and it's somebody that could be a potential answer for you yeah and listen josh allen put up monster numbers this past season even though i i think he lost confidence in this offensive line as the year went on and you're right there were plays where there was pressure in his face immediately he was scrambling he was rolling around and there may be, may have even been a few plays where he escaped the pocket before he had to maybe just thinking that that's the way it was going to be so if mcgovern is as good as advertised in terms of pass blocking 
uh, and gives Josh Allen that peace of mind, that comfort to stay in the pocket a little bit longer to scan the field. Uh, that's only going to help the, the playmakers in the passing game uh, and this offense in 2023 and beyond. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Uh, we talked a little bit about the newest Bills offensive lineman. Obviously, Tremaine Edmonds is moving on. Uh, we'll see if anything else drops. And I guess we could bring this up. I just saw it flash across my Twitter timeline. Uh, J- James Cook quote tweeting uh, somebody uh, that says, rumor, an AFC team is closing in on a deal to acquire Minnesota Vikings running back Dalvin Cook. A deal could be in place. This is just a, a Vikings rumor site. And uh, somebody tagged. Um, James Cook in the tweet. And so he quote tweeted it, tagged his brother with some eye emojis, sending Bill's mafia into a tizzy thoughts on that deal. Just a little bit sidebar. Like, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm not super interested in this idea of spending a lot of money at, on another running back. It, you, you're telling me you want to draft somebody fine. Like if you have a specific vision for them, but I think that there's guys that you can go out and get, on the free agent market for a really, really low cost that, you know, I think will be effective. And I, and I do think James Cook is in line for a, a larger role. Yeah. Listen, Delvin Cook, I'm torn on. I, I think that his best days are behind him as a running back. And I know that, it, you know, if anyone just goes and looks at the stat line of the game against the Bills this season, it looks good. But he needed one monster run to really save his day. He really struggled against Buffalo for most of that uh, matchup. And it was one monster run that brought them within, I believe it was 27 to 10 at the time uh, that, that kind of gave them some life, but he's not quite what he used to be. And if the bills are bringing on that contract and bringing him in uh, one, I, I hope they have a, a plan in place for the, the contract in general Two, you know, it, it'd be a nice story to have the cook brothers in the backfield. But like you said, I think there's options in free agency where these players can be had pretty cheap in, in the second, third wave that could, be that uh, the short distance, the power back, whatever you want to call it for the bills that they need. And then obviously in the draft, you're not always going to get an Isaiah Pacheco type back in round seven, but every year there's a few backs that late day three undrafted free agents come in and make their mark. I'm just not sure if that's where you want to allocate your, your funds, especially when you're the bills and you have limited cap space. Mm -hmm. Speaking of limited cap space, I know a lot of fans are stressing out about like the cap space situation. We've seen the restructure of Milano, which reportedly opened up 6 million, 600 K from the Tim settle restructure. Uh, Elena Getzenberg from ESPN is reporting 1.3 in salary cap space added with the Naheem Hines uh, restructure. Uh, The bill signed uh, a couple of their own uh, before the tampering period opened today. Tyler Medikevich is back on basically what's a, a one-year deal at less than $2 million in terms of salary cap hit, which I think is actually a really good move. He was at like about three and change on his deal for the last two years. So bringing that cap hit down and what he means to their special teams units, I like that deal. Sam Martin as well, basically a one-year deal. The cap number is going to be really, really low. I, I really liked Sam uh, Martin as a punter last year. So I think all of those things are good. But I think the big move that everybody's wondering is like, all right, where's this Josh Allen restructure? We've seen right. a Deshaun Watson restructure, a Tyreek Hill restructure. I mean, teams are doing it around the league. It might be done, and we just might not have the report out yet. I haven't heard anything about it, and you know, we're sitting here, but the Bills are operating. They've they've made a couple signings, which 
probably leads you to believe that something is kind of getting down the road in that department because it, it has to be in place by Wednesday at four o'clock. Yeah, you have to think that they're just maybe going over a little bit of the contract language, you know, crossing your T's, dotting your I's, whatever the final steps are, because you need that shoe to drop. Uh, you need to, to clear that 20 plus million dollars in cap space by restructuring his deal. And then you have other guys, too. We've talked about the Von Millers and uh, potentially Stefan Diggs. They need to get cap healthy. And those are the moves that need to be made in, in terms of the moves they've made today. Yeah, Medikevich, I believe, came in at 1.6 million. So you mentioned 3.3. He's pretty much taking a, a 50% pay cut to come back this year for that one-year deal, and that is a good move for the Bills. Uh, number one special teams unit, or one of the top special teams units in this league. Uh, Sam Martin, I think his number comes in at 1.8 this year. Um, and I thought he was really good as a punter in his first season in Buffalo, but even maybe more importantly, as a holder for Tyler Bass. He did not miss a beat there. Uh, and we know how important that was for this team to find someone that could hold for Bass. He punted, though, at, at a uh, respectable rate, a lot better than, you know, Matt Hawk did a few years ago. Hawk was a really good holder, but they wouldn't move away from him in season despite his struggles as a punter. At least with Sam Martin, you were getting a good punter and, and you're getting someone that obviously Tyler Bass trusts in, on the holds for field goals. Um, I'm seeing the number on Connor McGovern, uh, Doug Kide. Uh, he's with A to Z uh, NFL Sports now. Um, three years, twenty-two point three five million for Connor McGovern, uh, eleven million guarantees. So it's basically a, a, like a one-year, maybe two-year deal, but they could probably move off of that in year two. This is a long commitment. The cap hit in twenty twenty-three, Ryan, four million dollars. I mean that that like kind of brings yeah. it into focus even more how much of a win this this deal was because you're right like it's it seems like starter money but at a 4 million dollar cap hit that's Ryan Bates yeah so so not so fast i mean Bates is a starter uh but at 4 million you're not even guaranteed that that still keeps the bills in play for an early obviously guard in this draft or interior lineman it doesn't close the book on that i still think though it gives them a peace of mind i think 45 career games 29 starts so he has some experience um, there's a lot of reason for optimism with him, but you're right at a $4 million cap hit this season. Uh, Brandon Bean did a really nice job on this contract. I want to talk before we get out of here, uh, about the Miami dolphins, because yeah. I really do believe at this point, you know, all things are pointing to, to, uh, Tagovaila coming back next year. Um, they, seem fully invested in that in the sense that they're not going after a quarterback. I mean, outside of maybe a Tom Brady in the bottom of the ninth coming out of retirement. And then you have to ask yourself too. I mean, the guy is now retired twice. Like at times last season, it seemed like there was a level of frustration that, you know, obviously the talent in Miami is just off the charts on both sides of the ball. But, you know, you think about adding Vic Fangio to their defense to, to call the thing, what they have on the defensive line. Now they're adding, you know, a, a couple of linebackers. They re-signed Duke Riley as well, uh, bringing in Jalen Ramsey via trade. Is the gap completely closed? Do you view at this point the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills as kind of on equal playing field going into 2023 here in the AFC East race? It's pretty close, in my opinion. Obviously, they still have question marks at quarterback, especially in terms of health. And can you count on him to play an entire season, that being Tua? And I'm not sure you can. And for that reason, I still have the Bills ahead of the Dolphins. But 
yeah, listen, they're, they're making great moves. Vic Fangio is an established defensive coordinator and Jalen Ramsey. I, you know, I thought he lost a step last year. I backed it up with some stats in terms of his struggles and coverage, but you put him in a, a Vic Fangio defense uh, where you have Xavier and Howard on the other side, you have a really good defensive line. He could bounce back and have a really nice season uh, in Miami this year. We talked about David Long. I thought that was one heck of a value signing. I think it was like two years, $11 million, mm-hmm. uh, for someone that, in, in terms of overall talent, coverage, you name it, uh, is off the charts when healthy. So I, I like a lot of the moves that they're making, but at the end of the day, I still have questions uh, about that durability when it comes to Tua. And, and until I see him play an entire season, then, you know, I, I still think it's fair to say that the Bills right now are slightly ahead. Well, Ryan, it, even if Tua can't play, I mean, they went out and got the New Jersey <laughs> legend today. Oh, Mike man. White is going to be backing up Tua. He's moving teams. He's moving uh, area codes in the AFC East. Um, I thought that was an interesting signing and a good one. Listen, I think Mike White is a is a top tier backup in this league. I, I think if you could bring him in, he's got some juice. He can get you going for a couple days. Former uh, producer of the show, AJ Sabalski. I mean, he is a card carrying member of the Mike White fan club. And uh, this is a big day for him. He goes to a, a place where there's probably going to be an opportunity to play. And with the weapons that they have in place out in Miami, listen, I just think that they have so much talent on both sides of the ball. Am I, am I moving them past the Bills? No. But as we sit here right now, I mean, we're sitting here on March 13th. You know, there's some significant losses already for this yeah. Bills roster. And without any real significant additions back to it, we, we got a long way to go. We got the rest of free agency, that that second wave of free agency where, you know, I think Brandon Bean has done a really good job over the years of adding, you know, starter quality uh, players. But man, defensively, they... They, they've really done a good job adding to that thing. And, and who knows? They might not be done. So I think Miami's done a really good job. We're all waiting on the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what that ends up meaning for them. I, I, I teeter back and forth on what that potentially could do for that roster because I don't, I'm not necessarily sold on Aaron Rodgers being bought into football. I mean, the guy taking this long to make this decision, going into dark spaces and all this other weird stuff. You know, I just think he should probably just ride off into the sunset. He's had this unbelievable career. He's got a Super Bowl. The gauntlet he's going to have to run in the AFC to get back to another one, it, it's daunting. Like, I, even if everything goes right and, you know, it, he fits in with that offense and that defense is stellar, it's still, you know, Patrick Mahomes' world. You got Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Tua, and this whole Miami build. There's a lot of problems. You know, yeah. I, I, I think that might be why it's taking so long because maybe he's right. thinking, you know what, better off, I'll, I'm just going to take off. Yeah, Joe Burrow as well, and, and you know I, I'm 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 I don't know if we'll ever see Russell Wilson be Russell Wilson again. But man, did the Broncos invest in blocking today? They could even be somewhat of a problem uh, in the AFC. The, the conference itself, Jacksonville too, loaded, just absolutely loaded. Uh, and you're going to have teams like Houston and possibly Indy going out and getting some of the top quarterbacks in this year's draft. So this conference is a gauntlet compared to the NFC where uh, it it does seem to be significantly weaker. So I'm sure that's in the mind of Aaron Rodgers. And and I get it from the Jets perspective. You you feel like he is the missing piece to get you over the hump, to get you into the playoffs. And who knows, maybe the assets will be something ridiculous like the Jalen Ramsey deal. A third and a Hunter Long was a crazy uh, deal in their favor. So maybe they're not 
having to give up much for Aaron Rodgers in terms of what we're expecting. But is it worth it for a a one-year potentially rental? I mean, he was talking uh, with Brandon Marshall at his uh, his flag football event yesterday. He said, can you really be a all-time legend of a team if you only play there for one year? And maybe he wasn't talking about himself. But it sure sounds like if he did play for the Jets, it would be kind of like a one-year deal. And, and then maybe he does retire after that. I'm not sure where that gets you if you're the Jets either. Uh, you're pretty much throwing all your eggs in the basket this year and saying it's Super Bowl or bust with Rodgers because you still don't have the heir apparent behind him. So th- there's a lot to it. But yeah, Miami, really impressed with their moves. Last thing on Mike White, I do think it's cool that when uh, these players that grew up a fan of a team get to actually sign with them. He grew up a Dolphins fan. There's a baby picture of him in his Dolphins gear or a young picture of him. Stories like that, I I do think are pretty cool. No, for sure. We mentioned the Dalvin Cook, you know, it's taking it. It's, it's having its life of its own on Twitter right now. It's really starting to take off. So there's going to be, you know, a lot of people talking about this. Another kind of rumor out there, I believe it was Tyler Dunn that reported it. Jamal Williams, um, somebody that the Bills uh, interested in. You put up a story on it a couple days ago. You know, whatever that contract ends up looking like, I think that Jamal Williams is probably in that not top tier free agent money, but very much in that next tier. I think it's probably mm-hmm. going to cost you upwards of six to eight, nine million uh, per season to sign him. I think he's going to get more than Devin Singletary. You know, Dalvin Cook, I'm looking at his contract right now. There's only there's three years left on it, but there's only six million in in um, guaranteed money, guaranteed dead money. cap. And I think that they would take that on. So you could probably get maybe a one year Dalvin Cook deal and maybe they pay some of it and post market and maybe it's not that full 14 million cap hit. However, the money kind of works out. Where are you at in terms of what move you want or are you team? I'm kind of more saddling up on this other team, Ryan. And it's like, do nothing at running back. Do absolutely nothing at running back. Go into the draft. You have Hines, you have Cook. Draft somebody if you want. If somebody's glaringly standing on your board, maybe bring in a UDFA, maybe that second or third tier of free agency, uh, and then go into the season with that and, and not add a big-time running back. Where are you at? Well, I'm I'm give you that answer in one minute. We have some uh, breaking news here. Oh, there it is. The Bills have restructured the contracts of Josh Allen and Von Miller, opening up about $32 million in salary cap space per source from, again, ESPN's Field Yates. So there's always going to be that the moves we've been anticipating, you know, and, you know, when it comes to running backs, I guess here's where I'm at on it. The longer these running backs sit on the market, just like the longer these wide receivers sit on the market, I believe as of us going live, zero wide receivers had been signed today or agreed to terms, I should say. Then maybe their numbers come down and and maybe you can get one of these guys at four, four and a half that you thought were going to be a little bit higher than that. And, that's where it gets interesting. And and that's where maybe you consider some of the bigger names, but I I just don't think that's the best use of Buffalo's resources to bring in a a guy like Williams. And I like Williams a lot, 17 touchdowns. He's going to get you the tough yards. He's great around the goal line, but guess what? The bills also have Josh Allen, uh, Mm -hmm. a guy that can get the tough yards. And I'm sure you don't want him taking those hits, uh, but, but I'm saying he's shown over his career. He can do that. You can get other options in the draft, you can get some other guys that maybe can get the tough uh, yards for you in free agency at a a cheaper price. If you have a lot of faith in James cook, which you drafted him in the second round, 
Uh, maybe he's not a uh, three down running back, but I would still like to see him get the lion's share of the carries, get those opportunities to show what he can do. And if you bring in a bigger name back, uh, you're going to be handcuffing him, in my opinion, in terms of the carries, in terms of the opportunities. And, and listen, when he re- had the ball last year, he finished uh, among the le- league leaders. He didn't qualify because of the amount of carries, but he would have been the uh, number one running back in terms of yards per carry. So it just kind kind of goes to show you how effective he was and how he could rip off some big runs here and there. And I, I want to see the Bills build off of that and not take more away from him, uh, which could be the possibility if they go out and they sign someone in free agency. I want to talk more about the running back thing before we get out of here, but I do want to you know break in. So $32 million in cap space opened up from these two moves, uh, restructuring Allen and Miller, which now I think puts the Bills somewhere around 20-ish million in cap space, maybe a little bit more. It's hard to kind of narrow it down. I mean, 600K from Settle, like I mentioned, Milano opened up six, Hines at about a million and a half. Was there another move in there too that um, restructure opened up something? I can't remember now. Uh, um, I think you nailed them all. Okay, I think that's all of them. So all combined, you know, the, going in, the bills were about 19 million over. Um, that puts you at about two. Just those two would be 13, but then you have the other moves. Right. So somewhere between 20 and 25 million, enough to not only operate, but, you know, maybe take a run at a, at a significant player or two. And, and we'll see if that's the plan. Obviously, getting McGovern done here early, that's somebody that they targeted. You retweeted it earlier today from Justin M. He does a really great job on the draft front. The Bills have a, a top 30 visit scheduled with Osiris Torrance. I don't think that this takes them out of the, you know, Pat McGovern under contract. Maybe you go out and you draft like one of the premier tackles. If they fall to you at 27, maybe that's where the value is. If it's not receiver, um, a lot of things opening up for the Bills now that some of the space uh, is available. Yeah. You know, you mentioned they could go offensive line. They could go Torrance and, I had questions about it when they had a formal visit, but they must legitimately like this guy. If they're bringing him in for a top 30, doesn't mean they're going to draft him, but he's an option. And anything pretty much goes for the bills in round one minus quarterback. Obviously uh, if a B John Robinson's there and they don't attack running back, I guess that means he's on the table too. This wide receiver class is a little shaky. Um, it depends on if anyone falls to them there, or if they're aggressive and want to move up but they might be better off taking someone in around two. So there's just, there are a lot of positions to go. There's a deep tight end draft. Uh, we've talked about it, Matt, maybe trading downs the route to go get two really good players in round two, uh, get another good asset in round three and, and attack it that way. Get maybe some more starters than you would if you just stayed in those spots, because right now they only have six draft picks in, and obviously some of them are on day three where, you're not guaranteed one. They're going to make this roster. We've seen it in the last few years. These uh, late day three picks have been on practice squads. Some have been poached and claimed elsewhere. So no guarantees for them either. Uh, if in terms of all of the draft picks that they have, you know, the idea doesn't like blow my 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 hair back at all. I think if you look at it over the course of his career, his yards after contact has been dropping the last four seasons. I mean, he got it up to about two and a half per rush he was averaging two and a half yards after contact per rush three seasons ago that's dipped almost to 1.8 at two and a half that would have been second in the nfl this season behind tony pollard at 1.8 there's 22 other running backs who had a better yards 
uh, after contact average, including Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, that's just to me, if you're going to go out and, and, and pay for a guy, I like the idea of Derek. Henry's he's still averaging 2.3 yards after contact and those are the guys that you want guys that can you know make something happen even a guy like Christian McCaffrey does it better than Dalvin Cook does so I talked about him on the show the other day he is averaging two yards after contact per rush I like that a lot I don't know I'm just I'm in that bit more I think it, I think that pairs with what you have in James Cook a little bit cleaner than bringing in Dalvin Cook, who's kind of evolving into a finesse back in his own right. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's a valid point. You know, you just said it though. The Bills might have the money to make a run at a player. And uh, a guy like Derrick Henry is probably the dream scenario in terms of the running backs you could bring in from another team, uh, maybe rework his deal somehow, some way. But it could also be the wide receiver market that they could take a swing on in terms of a trade. Uh, the, the Broncos are apparently listening for their some of their top backs, Sutton, uh, Jerry, Judy. Those are the two guys that I think would draw the most interest from the Bills. K.J. Hamler as well, uh, kind of that speed guy. I think Jerry, Judy would actually be an outstanding fit in this offense, but Sutton's the most established player of, of the trio. Um, so that's another route they could go to. And, and I agree, though, attacking this offense, adding weapons to this offense is what the team needs to do by any means necessary. It's being after dark, right? Like that was a big thing a couple of years ago, like the Diggs deal happened right. at night, some other deal. So, I mean, everybody's going to be waiting for it. Now the cap space, it's out there. It's available. Um, it's going to be fun to watch what the Bills do with it here over the next 24, 48, uh, 72 hours. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. We're going to be with you all week. We're going to get out of here now. We'll probably be back tomorrow now that the moves are in. I mean, it's going to be, uh, we'll have a, our eyes peeled for all of you. We'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. Out, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.